Welcome to episode two of North Carolina Corn Kernels. Your host for this podcast is Dr. Ron Heinegger, cropping system specialist at North Carolina State University. As I promised this week, we will talk about how to avoid slow growth and yellowing of corn, but this time we will be focusing on silt loam, clay loam, and organic soils, in other words, heavy soils. But before we dive into that topic, I want to clarify some comments I made on last week's podcast. Some of the feedback I got on the last podcast indicated some confusion over my recommendations for magnesium levels on sandy soils. I mentioned that a percent mag level of 13 to 50 percent or better was the ideal. I was basing this recommendation on soil samples analyzed by NCDA at their lab in Raleigh. You rightfully pointed out that not all soil labs report percent mag, but rather they report magnesium in pounds per acre or parts per million. When the the NCDA lab measured percent magnesium in the soil, they are measuring how much of the cation exchange capacity of your soil is occupied by magnesium. So on low CEC soils with only 10 to 11% of your CEC occupied by magnesium, you don't have very much magnesium available. While on a high CEC soil at 10 or 11%, you could have a lot of magnesium available to the plant. For those of you who use other testing laboratories like Waypoint or Midwest that report available magnesium in pounds per acre or parts per million, you can convert my recommendation by using the following formulas. For pounds per acre, you can multiply the percent magnesium by the CEC in milliequivalents per ca- uh, cubic centimeter and then take it times a unit conversion factor of 216.69. 216.69. So if you have 11% magnesium and a CEC of 3, you would have 71.5 pounds of magnesium available in your soil. For parts per million, you would multiply percent magnesium times CEC and then times the conversion factor of 121.6. So a soil with 11% magnesium and a CEC of 3, you would have 40 parts per million magnesium. You can see by these numbers why a percent mag below 11 on a sandy, low CEC soil can become a problem very quickly if the plant cannot reach it or take it up. Hopefully this helps show why magnesium deficiency syndrome can sneak up on farmers in low CEC soils. With that out of the way, let's look at the problem of avoiding slow plant growth and yellowing corn plants on high CEC soils, such as the silt loam, clay loam, or organic soils that usually have CECs above 4 and often above 6. Using the example I just spoke about, it is clear that these soils should have more of the key elements, nitrogen, sulfur, magnesium, manganese, available to the plant. And indeed, this is the case. So what is causing the slow growth and yellowing I see on these soils with high CECs? The problem here is not that nutrients are lacking, but rather that nutrient uptake by the plants is compromised. I have often said that rather than thinking about the four R's to nutrient management that we often hear about, you know, the, those, the right rate, the right timing, the right source, the right placement. We should have a fifth R, the right environment for nutrient uptake. Nutrient uptake is the key to better crop growth on heavy soils. That is not to say you can't get a sulfur deficiency. You certainly can if your sulfur levels are low enough. And you certainly can see magnesium deficiency syndrome on heavy soils if you're 
mag percent falls below 8. But in these cases, a soil test would have shown the problem and given you a chance to correct these issues before they ever showed up in the crop. What a soil test can't show you, however, is how well your corn, soybean, or wheat plant is finding and taking up nutrients. The two main causes for poor nutrient uptake by plants are wet, water-saturated seed furrows and what I call the cold soil conundrum. When you plant your seed, the seed furrow that your planter created in which it placed the seed becomes the perfect pathway for rainfall to enter the soil. In creating a sharp V seed furrow, the seed op- scopeters have to push the soil open, and in the process, some soil compaction occurs. So when water enters the seed furrow and encounters this compaction, it starts to pool. In other words, your seed furrow acts like a cup or a container holding water along with the seed. Since the seed requires oxygen to respire and live, the seed stops growing once the seed furrow is saturated. Like you and me, the seed can only go without oxygen for a short period. For us, it's five minutes. But for a seed, it's generally 48 to 72 hours before seed starts to die and suffocate. Even when the seed trench drains fast enough to prevent seedling death, it still holds water long enough to slow emergence and growth and limit early nutrient uptake. So what can we do about this? Well, first and foremost, it's important that your soils drain well. You can't overcome poor drainage by just messing with the plant or with the seed. The good drainage is essential. Second, it's a good idea not to plant just before a rainfall occurs. My rule of thumb is not to plant seed if there's a chance of over two inches of rainfall in the next seven days. This gives the seed a chance to germinate and get roots out of the seed trench and into the surrounding less compacted soil. Of course, it's not always possible to avoid unexpected rainfall events, so you have to have alternative methods preventing saturated seed trenches. One thing I have found is that the closing wheels on your planter can make a huge difference in this. The use of deep spiked closing wheels or notch closing wheels can improve early emergence and growth by breaking up parts of the sidewall of the seed furrow trench and allowing for better drainage of water away from the seed. The other problem with good early plant growth and better nutrient uptake is the cold soil conundrum. This occurs when the seed or young plant encounters periods of warm to very warm daytime temperatures, but cool to cold nighttime temperatures. A good example of this cold soil conundrum is occurring in North Carolina this season. Over most of the state, corn was planted in soils with temperatures around 55 degrees Fahrenheit or slightly higher. Once they germinated, they experienced daytime temperatures in the high 70s to low 80s, ideal daytime temperatures for good corn growth. So the leaves are trying to grow rapidly to take advantage of these good conditions. However, the nighttime temperatures here have dipped consistently into the low 50s or even the upper 40s, so the soil has never really had a chance to warm up. Therefore, the above-ground parts of the plant are trying to grow rapidly, while the roots below ground are growing very slowly. Nutrient uptake is slowed, and above-ground foliage is starting to yellow and purple because it lacks nitrogen or phosphorus or sulfur or magnesium. So what can we do about this cold soil conundrum? Well, first, we can plant at the best temperature conditions possible. I like to plant corn 
whenever I can get 50 growing degree units over the next four to five days. Now, this is not always possible. If you're in North Dakota, why certainly it's going to be difficult to find these good planting conditions. But this is a way to give your seed a good start and prevent cold soil conundrum. At least it gives the plant the best opportunity to germinate and gets roots started. Just as I mentioned last week, planting at good depth is important. I like to plant in heavy soils at least two inches so that I can avoid some of the variations in temperature that occur near the soil surface and give them a much more uniform temperature environment. Another good practice to avoid cold soil conundrum is to create a bare soil zone around the seed furrow by using trash sweeps or some in-row tillage. Again, this is not always possible, particularly in heavy cover crops, but it is a good way to warm up that soil during that period of the days when their temperatures are in the 70s or 80s. Another asset in this battle is to use starter fertilizer, either banded beside the seed or in furrow. The nutrient deficiency that most often shows itself in cases of cold soil conundrum or even in wet soil, saturated soils, it is nitrogen. In collaboration with Iowa State University and Deer and Company, we conducted a large field trial of different starter blends in two different banded placements, 2x2 and 2x2x2, and found that the most significant contribution to higher yield was the use of 30 to 50 units of nitrogen and a small amount of phosphorus, 20 to perhaps as much as 40 units. Of course, this is too much nitrogen to place in furrow, but even small amounts of nutrients placed in furrow can be effective. The, the point is concentration of nutrients in close proximity to the root. When root growth is compromised, the plant can still find enough NP, sulfur, and magnesium to support the growth of the leaves. Eventually, the soils will dry and warm up, and then root growth will accelerate, alleviating these early plant growth problems. Well, that's all I have time for today. I hope you found this information interesting, perhaps gain some golden kernels that will help you with your corn crop. As always, you can reach me at Dr. Ron Heinger at ncsu.edu or by phone 252-217-9418. If you have any questions or comments on what was covered, I'd appreciate them. Happy farming. Good day.